when Rodney decided to lower that song, it made me think of J.D. Sumner and the story they tell on him, and I thought I was going to have to do a J.D. Sumner. The story is told that J.D. Sumner of the Stamps Quartet made a trip, they made a trip to the Holy Land. And of course, J.D. Sumner had a very, very low resonant bass voice. But when they went to the Dead Sea, which is geographically the lowest point below sea level on the face of the earth, J.D. Sumner laid down on the shore of the Red Sea to sing because he wanted to be the lowest bass singer on earth. And I thought I was going to have to lay down on the floor there for a minute, brother. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Periodically, the President of the United States goes before a joint session of Congress and gives an address that's called the State of the Union. It's actually something that's required by Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution of the United States, which states that the President will periodically give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. Well, even though Thursday is Independence Day, July the 4th, we're not going to talk about the condition of the United States of America. However, we are six months into the calendar year of 2019. And so it seems appropriate at this point that we should think about the state of the Church of Christ in Center, Texas. Our text this morning does not come from the Constitution of the United States. It comes from Paul's letter to a young preacher by the name of Titus. And it's in Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, and Paul writes, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, <clears throat> to be ready to every good work. I want us to especially notice the last part of that expression, be ready unto every good work. Should that not be something for the church of the 21st century also? Should not that not be our guiding principle right here, right now, at this point in time? To be ready unto every good work. It's in Matthew chapter 16 that we read that Jesus brought his disciples to a Retreats for some rest and relaxation to the shores of Caesarea Philippi. It was a city that was at the easternmost of the two recognized sources of the Jordan River. The spring that supplies the Jordan River rises from a limestone terrace in that vicinity. And the city that is, is, built, is also built on this limestone terrace in a valley at the base of Mount Hermon. Caesarea Philippi is located 20 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It was a city that was enlarged by Herod Philip. And it was then named in honor of Caesar. 
Herod Philip added his own name to it to distinguish it from Caesarea. In that long ago day there on the coast of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples, and he said, Whom do you, who do men say that I am? Some answer, well, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. It was Simon Peter who answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was when Jesus promised to build his church. And he also promised to give Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. When the kingdom was ushered in, Peter would be the one that would preach the first gospel sermon. Now go with me to that Passover in that upper room. And let's go beyond that. Let's go beyond the Passover in the upper room. Let's go beyond the betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's go beyond the crucifixion on Calvary's hill. Let's even fast forward 50 days past the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. It's Pentecost. And we're in Jerusalem. And Peter stands up with the eleven. And he tells the assembled audience there to hearken unto his words. And he preaches the first full gospel sermon to that multitude of people. And as a result of his proclamation, he says to them, This same Jesus you've crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. Well, as a result of that proclamation, they were touched in their hearts. King James said, translation says they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the others, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Dr. Luke tells us that they that gladly received his word were baptized, and there were added unto them that day about 3,000 souls. All that's recorded in Acts chapter 2, verses 37, 38, and 41. If you read the book of Acts, and you start there, you realize something. You realize, my goodness, this new movement is on fire. And the Lord's followers grew rapidly in number. We read a little later in Acts that the number of men came to be about 5,000 people. It says, during this period, multitudes were added, both men and women. There are no cumulative totals available about the exact size of the Jerusalem church. But as we mentioned last Lord's Day, when we talked about great churches, the Jerusalem church obviously numbered multiplied thousands of people during its early existence. Tradition tells us that the city of Jerusalem at that time, about half of the city of Jerusalem were professing Christians. And Jerusalem had a population of around 200,000 people. So out of a population of around 200,000 people, approximately 100,000 or more were professing Christians. So when we think about this church that was on fire, and this movement that was growing so rapidly, this movement that captured Jerusalem, we might at this point ask the question, what did the church do? They were certainly ready unto every good work. And those good works come under three specific 
headings. The activities of the early Christians can be classified as those that pertain to edification. They pertain to benevolence. And they pertain to evangelism. Under edification, we classify the activities of the early Christians as they worshipped. It was under the heading of edification they were taught the principles of Jesus Christ. We find passages such as Acts 2, 42 and 46. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Under the heading of benevolence, we list their activities as caring for those that were in need. That's reflected in Acts chapter 2 and verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Then evangelism shows their activities in sharing this newfound faith with those around them. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 reads, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. The church spread throughout Judea, Samaria, and further north up to Antioch. It spread to Ephesus and it spread to Asia Minor and across to Philippi. It spread down to Corinth. It even spread all the way to Rome. But what we want to ask is, how is it now? What we want to know is, how is it with the church today? How is it with the church 2,000 years after Christ lived? What's the church doing today? Specifically, what are we doing right here in Center, Texas today? What are we doing in the area of edification? Edification involves three different things. It involves worship, it involves teaching, and it involves fellowship. To the very best of our ability, we carry our worship period out and conduct it in such a way and carefully design it to attempt to accomplish certain important purposes. One of the purposes is the spiritual growth on the part of the members of the body of Christ. Because it's in the worship hour where we're assembled right now, where we sing. We lift our voices in songs of praise to God. Where we humble ourselves and as someone leads us, engage in the holy, happy, heavenly exercise of prayer. We gather around the table and commemorate the death and the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We give of our means to help support the work of the church. And we pause and quietly, reverently listen as the Word of God is imparted to us. Each of those things that we do is vitally important to our spiritual well-being. That's why there's that exhortation to faithfulness in Hebrews 10 verse 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another. 
and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Toward the end of a lifetime spent in worship and service, a mature Christian can look back and see how tremendously significant those hours spent in worship have been. As we grow older, one by one, activities that we engage in have to be given up. For those who love the Lord, the one given up last, and the one given up with the greatest reluctance, is assembling with the saints of God on the Lord's day. For those who love the Lord, who really deep down love the Lord, many of life's most wonderful and meaningful experiences occur within the four walls of a church building somewhere engaged in worship. So what are we doing in the way of edification? We do our best to provide opportunities for edification if folks want to take advantage of them. We have our regular opportunities for worship on the Lord's Day in the morning. We have our afternoon class, a time of study and fellowship, a time when we laugh together and we laugh at ourselves and we laugh at each other and we study the Word of God and we fellowship and grow closer as a family in those Sunday afternoon classes. On Wednesday nights, we have our midweek Bible study period. The fourth Wednesday of every month, we devote that time to engaging in extra prayer and singing. And then when there are five Wednesday nights in a month, we gather for an hour of singing and have desserts and fellowship with each other and, and over desserts and and get to know one another better. We look for ways to make our worship more meaningful from time to time. That's why every now and then you'll see the order of worship is handed to you and we've tinkered with it. We've maybe added a song or taken out a song. We print the order of worship for a specific reason. Not because I need more practice in typing and printing. I know quite well how to do that. But we print the order of worship so that our worship might go a little more smoothly. That it might go a little more orderly. You know, Paul said, let's do all things decently and in order. And so we print that order of worship that our worship might go a little more smoothly and a little more orderly and Nothing's going to be a surprise. It's done so our worship will be planned. Our worship will be done on purpose. Our worship will not be something that's just simply thrown together at the last minute. I've been places where that it would be Sunday morning, five minutes before time to start, and you'd see the song leader sitting on the back row, thumbing through the book, picking out his song. Bless Rodney's heart, he picks those songs out and calls me before daylight. Thank goodness he uses the answering machine. 
but calls me before daylight and leaves those songs on the answering machine so we know what's going to happen in the worship. So I know whether I'm going to have to have a song with a lot of bass in it right before the sermon. That means Rodney wants me to be out of breath and get out earlier. But we do our best to make the worship more meaningful. The songs are picked out in advance. More often than not, the sermon for Sunday was decided on a week or maybe even two weeks ago. We started doing a communion focus. Things to try to bring our minds to where they need to be. But our worship is planned. It's on purpose. It's not just thrown together. We have our quarterly covered dish luncheons on Sunday. We have our dessert fellowships. We sometimes even throw in an added activity just for fun like this coming Wednesday night. Or other things like occasionally having breakfast on Sunday morning as we've done in the past. All of these things to strengthen the ties that bind us together as a family. It's important as much as possible to take advantage of those things that strengthen the ties that bind us. Well, what are we doing then about benevolence? Well, currently we provide support financially on a monthly basis to two children's homes. We support Sunny Glen Children's Home and we support Cherokee Children's Home financially. We gather up groceries and supplies for the truck from Sunny Glen to pick up twice a year. We provide benevolent support on a local and regional basis. We use our food pantry, more than you realize, to meet local needs for those that come to us in need and wanting some food to put on the table. We have, from time to time, taken up special offerings and matched those with money out of the church treasury for tornado victims and hurricane victims and natural disasters. There have been needs that have come to our attention through the years of different members of this congregation that had medical needs, and we've, we've taken up special contributions for those in the past, and they've even been matched out of the church treasury. We've helped individuals pay medical expenses, buy something needed because of a medical condition, pay a utility bill, buy groceries. When a need comes to our attention that somebody's needing something, we do our best to meet that need. You don't always hear about it. If you came to me and said, Brother Tim, I need some help paying my utility bills. Would you want me to get up on Sunday morning and say, by the way, Rodney and Sonia couldn't pay their electric bill last month, so the church paid a $300 electric bill for Rodney and Sonia? You wouldn't want us to do that. So some of these things are of a sensitive nature. And so we can't stand up and announce we helped so-and-so with a utility bill. So-and-so didn't have the money to buy their medicine. So-and-so needed groceries. But when you see an item on the financial report that says local benevolence, rest assured, you, this church, has helped someone that was in need. As I said, you don't always hear about it. We don't blow the trumpet. 
The help is sometimes sensitive in nature. And out of respect for people's feelings, everything we do of a benevolent nature cannot be announced and broadcast. But we do spend money for those things. Well, then what about evangelism? Well, one way of evangelism is indirect evangelism. Being involved in the community. And that's something everybody can do. It is quietly. By the way we live and by what we do. Showing people Jesus Christ in our daily life. And in the life of the church. Now there are things that we do to try to increase the visibility of the church and the community. Things we do to try to increase the image of the church and create a positive image for the church in our community. Local Weight Watchers group meets in our fellowship hall every Thursday night. They've been doing that for years. The local chapter of Alcoholics Anonymous meets in our fellowship hall on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday nights. At least once, usually two or three times a week, I get a phone call in the office. Someone wanting to know, do you all still sponsor AA meetings? Where are they in your building? What time are they held and what nights are they held on? That's a way that people can gain a positive image of the church. What you may not know is when we started hosting AA, they were looking for a place to meet. And I happened to be talking with one of their members, the one that was looking for a new meeting place for them. And we were visiting and his phone rang and he answered his phone and he got off the phone. He said, I'm sorry. He said, we're, we're trying to find a new place for AA to meet and everybody just wants way too much rent. I said, well... Do you have any aversion to meeting in a church building? And he said, well, no. He said, but I didn't bring it up to you because we'd already approached a couple of other churches and they said they didn't want our kind around. And I said, well, I don't know exactly what your kind is, but I think that your kind is probably the kind that Jesus came to see. And I said, I don't think we'd be true to our mission if we didn't offer you an opportunity to use our facilities. And they do. Four nights a week. Our fellowship hall is used as a voting place in primary and general elections. It's been used and we allow it to be used for health screenings, seminars for hospice, and informational meetings even for the local school and government associations when they're trying to pass bond issues or things of that nature. That's called indirect evangelism. Allowing people in the community to have a positive image of the church. Well, what are we doing in the way of spreading the gospel? We maintain an active and regular presence on the Internet. We do it through our website, through Facebook, through our podcast, and with an article on Shelby County Today. You may not know this, but the church's website for the past three months has averaged 125 visits a month to the website. I got an email from a lady just this past week. She doesn't live in our community. She lives in Orange, Texas. She said, I just found your website on the Internet, and I'm enjoying listening to the sermons. I'm trying to get caught up on all the sermons that are on your website. Our weekly bulletin is published to our website. The Sunday morning sermons are available to listen to on the website. Our article across the preacher's desk, it's on the back page of your bulletin. We publish it in Shelby County today every Wednesday afternoon. It's also published to our Facebook page every Thursday morning. 
It's averaging reaching over 500 people a week on Facebook. We plan to restart the podcast in July, and we're going to start the podcast again with a series of lessons on the misunderstood church. We have our weekend singing and gospel meeting in the spring of every year. We started doing that again back in 2017 because we felt like it was time for us to start doing something like that again. 2018, we had Phil Sanders of the Search TV program here. Had a very successful weekend singing and meeting. In fact, Phil Sanders is scheduled to be here again the last weekend of May of 2021. Bryant came and held a meeting for us this past spring, and we've already scheduled and confirmed Austin Wiggins to come and be our speaker for our weekend singing and gospel meeting the last weekend in April of next year. There are other things we're involved in. We send financial support on a monthly basis to the television program in search of the Lord's way. That's why on the bottom of your bulletin every week, you see that information box that tells you about the programming information for the telecast of in search of the Lord's way. We also send money to Sandy Creek Children's Home in India. It provides a dual purpose in that it's both an evangelistic effort and it is also a benevolent effort. Now, the Lord's Church in Center, Texas is alive and well and living for Jesus. But, folks, there's always more that needs to be done. We'd love to do more in evangelism than we're doing. Some years ago, we were sending out the paper house to house and heart to heart. And for financial reasons, we had to stop doing that. We, we talked about this in our last business meeting, that we'd love to start being able to do that again. If you read the unofficial minutes of the last business meeting, which were distributed in Sunday evening class, they're always distributed now in Sunday evening class after our business meetings. We're looking at perhaps reallocating a part of the money to various things uh, and, and taking part of the money that's allocated. Sunny Glen Children's Home for many years has been getting three times the money that Cherokee Children's Home is getting. And there are so many worthwhile projects that we're looking at reallocating part of that and making perhaps a more equitable distribution of that to other children's homes or worthwhile activities. There's so much that needs to be done, so many things we need to do. But now we need to bring this down where we live because we're entering the summer. In your bulletin this week, there's this little financial blurb that gives you the, the state of the church financially. We're in the most expensive season of the year financially for this church. Through these summer months, we'll spend almost twice as much on utilities as we do in December and January. We'll be spending more money on lawn maintenance. So what we're asking is that all of us look carefully at what we're doing for the Lord and see if we might be able to reevaluate it. We're meeting our expenses and we're paying our bills. But if we want to take on any additional work, if we want to do something different, we've either got to take part of the building fund and go buy lottery tickets or find some other more reasonable way to raise money for the Lord's church. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I want you to hear me out. I don't want you to just close your ears and close your mind 
Well, all he's wanting more money. I ain't gonna listen to that garbage. I've been around this game a while. I know how people think. Just hear me out. I was talking to someone from a congregation not long ago that was having some financial issues. You know what they asked their membership to do? They asked every member of their congregation to raise their offering $20 a week. Well, I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but I'm a long way from stupid. I ain't going to ask that. But sometimes we arrive at at an amount that we're going to give to the church. And we do that same amount year after year after year after year. We realize that other things have gone up. We realize that utility bills have gone up. We realize that it costs more to buy cleaning supplies and some things of that nature. But one reason is that it, we like even amounts of money. And so if we're writing a check, we don't want to write a check for an odd amount because then we have to do a lot more detailed subtractions into our checkbook. And so we often do a certain amount because we like even numbers. But I think oftentimes we don't realize something. We don't realize how very small amounts of money can add up over time. And here's what we want to ask. Is that every member of this congregation prayerfully Consider, if they can spare an additional 43 cents a day for the church. Now, that may mean that the amount you put in is going to be a little bit odd amount. But we don't mind counting odd amounts. But here's the math on that. If 30 people, and that's about what we average on Sunday morning is 30. If 30 people could set aside 43 cents a day for the church and add that 43 cents to their present offering, do you have any idea how much that would add to the church's bottom line over a year's time? $4,695.60. 43 cents a day. That's three dollars and one penny per person per week. That's less than a Whataburger Junior and fries and a senior drink at Whataburger. That would pay for sending house to house out again and have even a little bit left over. Prayerfully considering this, some might be able to do it. Some might not be able to. Others might be able to do 44 cents a day. The point is, we're not asking anyone to come up with a check for $500. We're not asking anyone to come up with $20 a week. We're just asking for all of us to share the load and see if we can come up with just a little bit more. Now, bear in mind the things I haven't mentioned. We're still putting money aside to replace the roof on the flat roof portion of this building. 
The bid we got four years ago was about $44,000. It's gone up by now, I'm sure. We currently have $43,000 in our building fund. We're within striking distance of that roof. But we're going to be facing over the next five to ten years some other large expenditures on our physical facilities. The parking lot on this side of the building, it's not going to last forever if you've looked at it. This carpet's 25 years old and it's showing a lot of wear in some places. So these things are going to have to be visited over the next five to ten years. But all of that aside, if you look at our current financial situation, the state of the church is strong and vibrant. Are we growing in big numbers and are we about to become a mega church? No. But you know, the Lord doesn't call on us to grow. The Lord calls on us to preach the gospel and be faithful. And as I said, the state of the church is strong and vibrant. We're working for the Lord. The Lord calls us to be faithful and preach the word, and that's exactly what we're doing. Our greatest days as a body of God's people are still out there in the future. And we'll do great things for God, and we'll do it because of dedicated men and women that want to serve the Lord. And we'll do it in spite of those that have decided that they didn't want to be part of this family anymore. And have done a lot of things over the years within the community to harm our influence. And have done a lot of things to destroy our work. Here's the question as we internalize this. Am I serving God to the best of my ability? Is God getting the very best I have in terms of my time and my talent? Or do I need to make changes? If you need to make changes for Jesus to be the Lord and Master of your life, this is the opportunity to do it as we stand and while we sing.